0: This is Listen Again with the Bridge, your opportunity to hear Sunday's message. We hope you enjoy listening, and it all starts right now. We have got to hurry up and get David married so I can quit playing double duty here. Wearing too many hats. No, I love doing it. I love worshiping with you. And As we were worshiping this morning, I just kept looking out thinking what a good looking bunch you are. So thank you so much for being here today and being with us. Love that we are uh, just able to come together and worship God freely, amen? Amen. So good. I love his presence here with us. Um, I really honestly had planned to jump into uh, the book of James. I was planning to do a few week series on that book, but after the response that we had from last week as we talked about sharing our story, and some of the things that went with that, the feedback that I got and, and some of the uh, response led me to do something a little different. So I'm going to spend this week and next week just talking about something we talked about last week, uh, the idea of being called and uh, what that really means for us as Christians. So um, I'm going to dive into that today. Just for those of you who maybe were not with us last week, I would just encourage you, you could go back and check it out uh, on our website if you want to watch it. Uh, There's a great testimony video in in there by Shay Bias, and thank you again to Shay for sharing that. There he is. Appreciate it so much. Um, Lots of feedback from that video, and just I believe it's helping a lot of people. But It really just came down to, uh, we talked about how each and every one of us who have accepted Jesus Christ into our hearts, we have a story to tell. You might not feel like you know the whole scripture, the whole Bible, and if if someone were to ask you a question, you might not know the answer, but you could share with them how you came to Christ and allow that story of the presence of God in your life to begin to bleed over onto the other person as you begin to share your story the same presence of god you felt can be like released to them through your story and so we talked about four things that we need be bold be smart Be ready and be sincere. The idea of being bold is we looked at the the disciples and how they were hiding, man. After Jesus had been put on the cross and put to death, they didn't know what to do. Even though he had told them he was going to come back, everything was going to be okay, they still found themselves locked behind closed doors afraid until Jesus came along. And once he came along, you see their boldness just begin to rise. And they went from being afraid to beginning to share the gospel message everywhere they went. They were willing to stand up and share the good news. So we, we need that boldness in our life. And that comes through spending time in the presence of Jesus. To be smart is not just the idea of how to present the gospel or the right time. It's also being smart in how you live your life. It's how you live a holy life that's going to allow you the opportunity to share your story and for people to hear what God has done in your life. But you also have to be ready to do that. Sometimes we are presented with those opportunities, and when they come on and we feel the presence of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, this is your chance to share, sometimes we're not ready and we bow out of that. I might say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. So you've got to be ready in those moments, and finally, being sincere. It's the love that Jesus has shared with us, the same love that accepts us into his kingdom. It's that same love that we are sharing with others and being sincere and loving others in the same way we've been loved. So what I want to continue with today is this idea that each one of us are called Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, we read it last week, and this is out of the New Living Translation. Again, we spend a lot of time hearing from the Apostle Paul because he wrote a lot of the New Testament. But he's in Roman prison, probably around 61 AD or so, and he says, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you. Do you feel that? He's begging. That's, that's emotion. I plead with you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For each of you have been called by God. Live a life worthy of the calling. Have you ever been waiting on a call? You ever filled out like uh, maybe a scholarship form? Or maybe you applied for a job and you feel like you're the right person for that job. And you're waiting to get the call. And what happens? I mean, when they do finally call, it's a relief, right? You're kind of like, wow, I did get the call. And one reason that feels good is because you were worthy of the call. There's a reason they chose you over someone else. And so in the same way, Paul is saying, lead a life. Worthy of the calling, for you have been called by God. A calling or a purpose means that no matter what you obtain in this world, you long for more than just success. There's something in you that craves spiritual and lasting significance. The call. I remember every year at youth camp, there were four nights of youth camp, and there was always a specific theme to the night. The first night was always salvation. I mean, if you're going to bring these heathens in, we've got to get them saved so they don't tear up the camp all week, right? <laughs> so you've got to get them saved first. There'd be a night on healing or, uh, you know, whatever. But the, the final night was always the night where they would talk about being called into ministry. And one thing I've been trying to help you understand, we, we spent some time on this just a month or two ago, where we talked about how we're all ministers. No matter your vocation, you are called. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So what, what does it mean to be called by God? Well, uh, if you want to look at the back of your bulletin, I've got some examples here for you. It comes from the root Greek word for calling, calling. It's, it's one of the most important words in all of the New Testament because there's several words that are built around this. The Greek word is kaleo. There's 16 other important words in the New Testament that come from this. Some of them I put on there for you. Kaleo to call, klesis the call, kletos called. Each one of those means something a little different. If you notice, ecclesia that we've talked about that before. That's the church, right? The assembly of believers. It's not this building. It's the people, and what's that last line say? It says, called out ones. So we're not just called to come together and worship God like we did this morning. That's wonderful that we get to do that, but we're called out of this place to go into the world and do what God has called us to do. The big question is, the big question on everybody's mind, if I'm called by God, what if I miss my calling? I think we've probably all had that question at some point. What if I miss my calling? What if I major in business, and I'm called to be a veterinarian? What if I choose the wrong career? What if I went to the wrong church, heard the wrong message, and it led me in the wrong direction? What if I uh, was supposed to ask that cute girl out in small group, and Jack the Jerk asked her first, and now I missed out on my opportunity? (laughs) And now I'm gonna marry someone that's way worse than that young lady. What, if I'm, what, what is it I'm specifically called by God to do? So here's for some note takers today. If you want to write these down, it's on the bulletin. But I always tell you, note takers, you're going to have a much bigger crown in heaven. So if you want to take notes, now would be the time to do that. But here's the first one. Calling is about who you are before what you do. Calling is about who you are before what you do. When God calls you, he's calling you to who before he's calling you to do? This is important to understand. Last week we read 2 Timothy 1.9. There's going to be a lot of connections from last week to this week. 2 Timothy, and it's going to lead into next week. Chapter 1, verse 9, it says, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He didn't say you're called to be a second grade teacher. He didn't say you're called to be a professional gamer, although that would be a lot of fun, would it not? Amen. <laughs> Some of that, amen, I like that. <laughs> Paul didn't call us to a task or a job. What he said, God saved us and called us to live a holy life. It's a who before a do. God did this, not because we deserved it. Scripture tells us, because this was his plan from the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. God called us to live a holy life. So again, calling is much more about who you're becoming than it is about what you're doing. So when you look at Scripture, it's interesting that you, you never see a Bible verse that talks about a career. It talks about us being called to be more like Christ So when you recognize you're called by God, a better question to ask than what am I to do would be who am I called to become? Who is God calling me to be? How many of you would be uh, willing to say that I am called to preach? Okay, no one, thank you. (laughs) I'll go home and cry later. (laughs) Clearly I'm in the wrong profession. I'm gonna go game and I'm gonna become a gamer. Because I'm not called to preach. So that was not a trick question. Okay, so yes, I know you're all asleep, so now you're awake. This isn't a trick question. You might say, uh, you know, I'm called to preach the gospel. That's why I'm standing here today. But I'm also called to be a husband to my wife. Now, if I'm called to be a husband to Courtney, um, many of you would hopefully agree with that because we've been married for 20 years to prove it. Now, it takes a different skill set an expression to fulfill that calling than it does this one for example if her and I were to not see eye to eye spiritually that's a preacher's way of saying we're in an argument okay so maybe we're in a discussion that we're not seeing eye to eye on okay and so at the end of the discussion if I were to stop us and go why don't we just bow our heads right now And, you know, if there's anyone in this room that feels like you need to accept Christ and repent of your sins, just raise your hand right now. And I'm looking and just waiting for Courtney. And if you'll just raise your hand right now. And the only way she's going to raise her hand is if that's to smack me across the head for trying to pull that on her. Because that's the wrong place. Wrong setting for that calling. Are you with me? But because Her and I are called to love one another. Because we love each other so much, we now have two children. And I'm also called to be a dad. So if I'm called to preach, I'm called to be a husband, I'm called to be a father, each one has different settings yet and and a different calling, but out of that... What I hope you'll understand is in your own life, it's not just what you're called to do, it's who you are first. That's most important. Because I could really screw this up if I stand up here every week and I am called to preach, so I preach this message and man, you're really encouraged by it, you're really challenged by it, and you walk out, yet I go home and I'm not a husband to my my wife and I'm not a father to my children. If I'm abusive or anything like that, then I'm not fulfilling my calling. You understand? But if I go home and I'm great as a husband and a father, yet I neglect everything that I'm called to here and I'm not shepherding you, then I'm not fulfilling my calling. Again, this comes down to a who before you get to the do. Calling is about your faithfulness to Jesus today it's all about who you are today, not just what you're going to do tomorrow or in the future. So if you were here last week, I don't think there's a better scripture that speaks to what we're talking about. And I, I'm, I don't typically do this, but I'm going to take a little time. If you will, turn to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to read 17 verses and you're like man that's a long that's a lot of reading we're going to read it together and we're going to look at colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 17 speaks very clearly and honestly i could read this scripture we could pray and go home and we could be done for the day and we could have early lunch but i'm not going to do that i'm going to keep talking but we are going to read this first here's what i would encourage you with if you do anything at all Maybe you have your Bible with you. Mark these scriptures in your Bible and go back and study them this week. Maybe you didn't carry your Bible. Maybe you use your tablet, your phone, whatever that is. I would ask you, write this down and make a mental note to go back and read this this week because it doesn't get any clearer than what we're about to read. It reminds me, back in February... We were doing a relationship uh, message and we were talking about loving our husband and wife and how love has different meanings and all of that. And we talked about 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, gives us a really good example of how we're to love. And if you'll remember, there were certain things that we're supposed to give in a loving relationship. Patience, kindness, right? Mercy, those things. But then there are certain things we're supposed to remove from that relationship like selfishness, anger, bitterness, So in the same way, this scripture is going to help us see some things that maybe once we're saved, these things should be removed from our life. It's not, please don't, I pray that you don't just hear a list of do's and don'ts. That is not what this is about, but it's pretty clear on some things that need to be removed from our life, and it's pretty clear about some things that need to be added to our life. If we're truly going to live a life worthy of the call that God has put on our lives, This is going to help us understand how to do that. Are you ready? Nobody's ready. Are you ready? All right. So let's read this together. Bear with me. It's long. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation so you can follow along. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ. That's what happens when we accept Jesus into our heart, right? We are raised to new life that's what we're talking about here you need to understand first thing it's talking about is you have to be saved if you've not been saved it's going to be impossible to do this but since you have been raised to new life with Christ set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand think about the things of heaven not the things of earth that's pretty simple it's hard to do Think about eternal things, not just temporal things. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Sounds good so far, right? Here we go. Here's here's the instruction, verse 5. Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Let's be real here. Church, just because you pray a prayer of salvation, right, God removes sin from your life, but how many of you know there's still some things that wind up just kind of lurking in there? It's, you have to fight it every day, right? Am I the only one that, you're all perfect, I forgot. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to throw that on you today. We all deal with things in our lives, temptations, things that are lurking in our hearts, and it says put these things to death. Have nothing to do, here we go with the list, of sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Now look at verse seven. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But what happened, the first scripture said, we've been raised to new life with Christ, right? So because of that, Now is the time to get, excuse me, I'm starting to read the same thing. Let me get back. Don't lie to each other. Let me go back to verse 8. Let's try this again. Now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Again, you can't get any clearer than that. These aren't my words. I love telling you that because I didn't write this. These are God's words. And too many times people are like, well, does it really say that in the Bible? I mean, that's kind of a gray area. I, I got to tell you, if it's that clear, it's that clear. I can't, there's nothing I can do to uh, remove this, okay? So we strip away those things that cause us to no longer live a life worthy of the calling. Now we get to verse 10. Here's some things we can do. Put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew, Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, Let's be clear. If we've accepted Christ, we're what? We're called, right? We're called to live a holy life. So what did this say? Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember. The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love. And that comes back to that sincerity that we need to have when we're sharing our story and sharing the gospel with someone, is to share it with love. That love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Don't let this last part just kind of fade out because we've been reading a lot of scripture. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach, counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing songs, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Did we not just do that? Yes, we did. Now, verse 17 is the purpose of all of this. I'm building up everything to get to verse 17 because it has to do with the idea that we are first called to who before do. Look at what it says. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks through him to God the Father. Man, is that not good? That is good stuff. Don't let that last line slip away. It's part of the calling. Whatever you do, if it's something you enjoy, if it's something that you're just having to do to make a paycheck, if it's something that is right in your wheelhouse and you're like, man, I get to do this. I don't have to do this. Or if it's something that you're frustrated with, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Calling isn't just a specific, unique do for you. It starts with who. Let me close with two stories. Two stories. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 10, and then we're going to wind up in Mark chapter 11. The first story is in Mark chapter 10, and it's the story of James and John. I'm not even going to read scripture. You can read it later. I'm just going to run through this since we're going to uh, have to hurry here. But the story of James and John. Mark chapter 10, they're going to ask Jesus for a little favor. They come to Jesus and they're like, hey, when you're sitting on your throne, when you're in heaven reigning and ruling, can one of us sit on your right hand and one of us sit on your left? We want to be important. We, we want people to, when they look at you, they'll be like, man, James is right there on the right, John's on the left, look how important they are. We want to be important is really what they're saying. And Jesus says, hey, if you want to be a leader, first you need to be a servant. And he begins to teach them the importance of this. If you really want to be important, if you want to be first, the first thing you have to do is be last. So he teaches them this principle in Mark chapter 10, which leads us to Mark chapter 11. He's saying it's not about visibility. You need to have a heart of a servant. It's who before do and not just where you're positioned. And so James and John understand this as Jesus teaches them that in Mark chapter 10. When you get to Mark chapter 11, Jesus and his disciples are approaching Jerusalem. This is a famous moment that we talk about once a year, the week before Easter. It's what happens on Palm Sunday. Jesus is going to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, and he's. the people are everywhere just shouting, Hosanna, save us now. They're waving palm branches. They're throwing their cloaks on the ground. Man, Jesus is a celebrity in this moment. And the disciples are with him. And I don't know. I'll be honest, it doesn't say this, so don't, don't hold this on me and say, He said this was in the Bible. It's not. But I would think if James and John were just worried about looking important and being big shots, I would think as they're walking into Jerusalem with Jesus, the big celebrity in this moment, they were probably going, hmm, this is kind of cool. You know, we left fishing or whatever job we used to do in order to follow him. And now we're getting to see, look how important he is. And we're getting to follow him right in. We're right next to him. How cool is this? The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 11, verse 1, Jesus and his disciples approach Jerusalem. They come from the towns of Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. And Jesus picks two. Picks two disciples and he sends them on ahead. Again, it's interesting that Mark doesn't tell us which two. He just says two. I think it would be funny if it were James and John. I think it would be interesting. The two that wanted to sit at the right hand of Jesus if if Jesus were maybe using this as a lesson to go, I'm going to give you a little project here. And he sends them on ahead and they could be thinking, "Man, we are the chosen ones. We're going to go do something important. We're going to go cast out demons or, you know, call down fire from heaven. We're going to, you know, I don't know. We're going to do something incredible. We're going to do some healings. Whatever. Instead, Jesus says, go into the village over there. As soon as you enter it, you'll see a donkey tied there that no one's ever ridden. Untie that donkey and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. We don't know which two disciples, but whoever they were, their big mission. Their big calling in this moment. I mean, I left everything to come follow this guy. This could be my big moment and I'm put on donkey duty. I'm just (laughs) supposed to go get a donkey and bring it to Jesus. Not cast out demons, not heal somebody. I just go get a donkey and say, Jesus needs it. Here's what we need to understand. The size of your assignment never determines the significance of your impact. The size of the assignment never determines the significance of your impact. They were bringing the donkey to Jesus that was going to lead him to his calling. What he was brought to this earth to do. And it reminds me of David in the Old Testament a little shepherd boy who determined a very small stone can take out a really big giant reminds me of a little boy in the New Testament when we see a crowd starving and he walks up to Jesus with his lunchable he's like this is all I got a couple of fish and some loaves but you can have it seems small and insignificant yet Jesus uses it to feed 5,000 people We need to understand something today. You're chosen by God. You're called by God. And whatever you do, even if it's donkey duty, you do it with faithfulness. You do it with passion. You do it with integrity. It's so much more about who you are than what you're doing. You are called to live a life worthy of the calling. These two disciples, these two guys had no idea. They were delivering this donkey that would carry Jesus to his very calling and when everything you do you do for the glory of God when everything you do when you, you, you don't have to find your calling it's going to find you when you're doing everything based on who you are, who you're called to be living a holy life your calling will find you it overtakes you it's Seems as though it might be something meaningless like donkey duty, but it becomes something something very meaningful when it's for the one who gave his life for you. So what are you called to? First of all, you're called to become more like Christ. You're called to live a holy life. And one day you're gonna find someone in need and you're gonna be called to answer that need. You're gonna find someone who's broken and hurting and you're gonna be called to deliver a kind word to give them, speak life into their heart. Maybe pray for them. You will be called to do something. Are you ready? Are you ready to share your story? Are you ready to one day be used by God? Don't worry about what the job is. Worry about who you are and the job will work itself out. God will take care of it. So what am I called to? I'm called to shepherd this church. I'm called to lay down my, wife for my, my life for my wife, and my children, and now two dogs, which I'm not real excited about. We can talk about that later if you want. But more importantly, I'm called to live a holy life. Imprisoned, falsely accused, Paul wrote these incredible words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Sitting in a Roman prison, he said, I, a prisoner serving the Lord, beg you. Church, I, I just, I want you to hear this as if the Spirit is speaking it to you today. As if he's not talking to another church that he was, had started. He's talking to you this morning. He says, I, a prisoner serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Will you bow your heads with me? First of all, Lord, we are thankful that we've had the opportunity to receive you into our hearts and surrender our lives to you. And that we have a story to tell. Just as we talked about last week. But that's the beginning. Just as the scripture talked about a moment ago as we're raised to new life God I pray that our mind would begin to be focused on eternal things on the things of heaven not just the things of earth and God as we see this list of things that reside in our hearts that we'd remove those things that accepting Christ is a wonderful moment It's an incredible decision, but it doesn't stop by just praying that prayer and saying, I'm good. I can go do what I want. God, things begin to change in that moment. And we are called to live a life worthy of what you have called us to do. I pray that we do that today. So that when the time comes, Lord, we're ready. When the time comes that we have the opportunity to reach someone else, to speak life to someone else, to meet a need in someone else, God, we're ready. Not just to quote a scripture to them. That might help. That might be what they need in that moment, but not every time. Sometimes it's just a kind word. Sometimes it's just a simple hug. And I'm praying for you that can make the difference. It all begins by leading a life worthy of the calling that we have received. Be honest with you, church, it's hard for me in these. Times like this right here, for me to stop, for for me to just say amen. I I sometimes like to just let that linger for just a moment. I I tell you what I'd like to do, um, and this just kind of coming to me right now. You know what we used to do in church when I was growing up is a lot of times we would invite people forward. Our church even had altars up front. You could come up and pray if you wanted to, and somehow through time. I'll be honest with you. Some churches manipulated that, maybe, or uh, or used that uh, in the wrong ways. I'm not saying this church did that. I'm saying some churches, and because of that, what we tend to do is, while well, we remove those idea of altars, we remove the idea of even just calling people forward for a response. But in the same way, what we removed when we did that was the community that we have here to pray with one another, the ability to actually come together as like-minded Christians and pray for one another and agree with one another. So here's what I would like to ask you to do this morning. Is right where you're at. I'm not going to ask you to get up, come forward. But if you would, if you're willing and comfortable, maybe place a hand on the person next to you or take the hand of the person next to you. If it's your spouse and you're comfortable doing that, if it's a child, if it's someone close to you that you would just be willing to lay a hand upon and I'm gonna ask you to pray for the person on your right or your left this morning. We don't do this a lot. Maybe you're not totally comfortable. Maybe you're like, man, I don't know what to pray. You know what? Let God lead you. This is a great practice for you this morning. But as I pray, I just want to ask you if you would just agree together as a church body, man, that God would use us, that he would take who we are, that we would live a holy life worthy of the calling. Will you just pray that for the person on your right or your left or someone around you? God, we thank you for every person that's in this place and that we come together as a church body. Lord, we agree with one another. As we worship together, God, we sing songs honoring you and lifting you up and praising you. But we don't stop there, God. We still have to open our hearts and say, God, look at my life. Look at what needs to change. Where is there something in there, God, that needs to be removed? Just like the scripture talked about earlier. Is there something I need to add in there? I pray that you would begin to fill our hearts with your love with your mercy and your grace, so much so that it begins to just bleed out of us, that it just begins to overflow from us. God, that you would begin to use us. As long as we have room for people in this place, we're gonna keep reaching people outside this building, and that takes every one of us in this room to leave this place willing to live a life worthy of the calling, and I pray that you would help us to do that today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen.